Welcome to Radio KAL, the podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. My name is Steve Eunice. This is our 122nd show, released on February 25th, 2015. And the show is proudly sponsored by Superman fan and all-round good guy, Patrick O'Neill. So thank you to Patrick for his support of this monthly podcast. As I said, my name's Steve Eunice, but I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hello, Steve, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh Good to talk to you. I hear you've been um, enjoying some uh, domestic um, breakdown <laughs> issues lately. Yeah, we uh, had a um, wash our clothes uh, washing machines just packed it in the other day, and uh, we've had a technician out, which has delayed our recording of this episode. But uh, as the troopers that we are, we don't let anything get in our way. Uh, Nothing to, stands in our no. way. We're like the post people in, in America, but uh, I don't know if you're that familiar with that. Yes. How's post work over there? You guys got mailmen and women? Of course. Um, always on their little motorbikes uh, around the streets delivering the mail every day, every day, every day. Um, although I believe, uh, this is like sidetracking here, but I believe the um, <laughs> postal um like just you know offices and just in general the businesses are uh, really finding it hard these days with you know everything being sent and you know snail mail is just not the way of doing things anymore so they're really losing a lot of business yeah well we could tie this into superman it's much like newspapers i'm That's not right. really sure how much longer they're going to be able to do the whole newspaper thing with lois and clark because it's just not really a thing anymore i mean yeah. it is but yeah. we've got uh, blogs and things clark metropolis and Oh, what is it, Clark? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. Clark Catropolis, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, let's get into our discussion topics. I'm let's, sure people don't want to hear us waffle on for too much longer. Uh, uh, although I think most of our episode is probably us waffling on. It might be, but uh, we'll try not to waffle as much. No. We, you know, we'll, we'll do some cereal or yeah, pancakes. Right, or put, at least put some syrup on it or something. That's right. Righto. Well, let's we'll start with our movie news, as we always do. And Butter. while <laughs> while it's been uh, a little bit quiet on the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice front, uh, we have had a few things that have popped up this past month that are worth talking about. And first and foremost of those is this uh, promotional image showing the trinity of Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman. Uh, the image kind of snuck online in, in the form of a photograph from a Hong Kong licensing show um, or ex- uh, convention that took place in January at some stage. Wasn't really sure if it was legit or not, but the image has uh, resurfaced in a more clearer, uh, better resolution version uh, in February. And it, uh, it's nothing really new. It's the three images that we've seen, although the Batman one is a little bit different to the one, the, the sad Batman that people have been calling it. Um, it's a different angle, but um, it's nice to see some kind of promotional image for the three of them together. Well, it's weird because, uh, and I guess I, I guess I kind of owe somebody. I forget who it was. If he even knows who I was, or if he listens to this <laughs> podcast, shout out to you, buddy. Uh, you were right. I was wrong. And that's something you're not going to hear very often from me. But um, I, I thought that this was a thing, and it was. I'm, I'm certain that it was. Not long after they released the shot of the bat 
sad Batman, as you say, which I wasn't even sure that was Ben Affleck. It was just somebody in a suit or was it even a real suit or was it a graphic? You know, I still don't. It doesn't look that real to me. He mm. of the three. He's the one that doesn't necessarily look like a guy standing in a suit. Looks more like a video game uh, picture or something like that. Uh, but it could very well be. Maybe it's just the lighting. But not long after that was released, all kinds of fans put together all kinds of combinations of those three. And I thought this exact image was released online uh, months ago by a fan um, just putting the three of them together. So it surprised me that this is the simple image they decided to go with since it's already been out there, not in an official capacity, but um, uh, certainly uh, mixed up in this general kind of look. Yeah, well, I mean, we don't know whether the main designers at Warner Brothers put this together or someone from their Hong Kong department, you know, released it or put it together, combined it uh, for that licensing show over there. Uh, it's, as I said, it's um, popped up here and there. Uh, it's, it's, you know, supposedly officially from that uh, Hong Kong licensing show which Warner Brothers partook in. So, um, you know, nobody's come out and said otherwise. So uh, that was one image that was interesting and uh, not much to really talk about there. But the other image that came out just this past week that got a lot of attention was Zack Snyder's tweet of an image of um, Aquaman, and uh, it has Unite the Seven, which all uh, text that's uh, over the image a little bit, both the costume, the lack of colour, if you like, in the image, as well as the wording, gained a lot of attention, created a lot of debate. Yeah, people don't like... Uh, I'm not going to say people, but, uh, but a number of people are also complaining about just the guy in general that they got... Uh, from uh, from Game of Thrones, uh, I can't. His name is escaping me at the moment. Uh, his name is. Uh, I'm just having a look for it myself. Um, yeah, he's been in a, a number of uh, different shows. Uh, his name. Uh, where is it here? Um, Jason Momoa, of course. Yes, Jason Momoa. I loved him in Game of Thrones, but since he was speaking all in a foreign language, uh, made up foreign language, um, you couldn't necessarily tell whether or not he was uh, saying anything that you could connect with. But uh, it was definitely interesting to see him act because you could you could sense his emotions, even though he wasn't uh, uh, speaking any language that anybody would understand. But mm -hmm. people are complaining online, as they often do, about, as you say, the lack of color, uh, the lack of a uniform in general, uh, the tattoos the that uh water people undersea people wouldn't have tattoos that that he looks like grizzly mountain man as opposed to uh clean cut aquaman and uh, i've been trying to point out that this isn't really an unprecedented look for aquaman it's just not the current look in comics but through m much of the 90s aquaman he still had the blonde hair but aquaman was much more um I don't know, uh, this looking uh, <laughs> with the beard and the messy hair and the, the uh, uh, kind of tougher attitude, which is what seems to be coming off this image to me. I love it. I love how it looks. Um, and and it's, it's kind of the way I might picture an imaginary sea people looking as opposed to necessarily wearing a bright orange uh, top with bright green pants. There is green. I can see it. 
but as for the top, he's naked. So it's just a shirt. It's a shirtless look. Hmm. Uh, but then he has those tattoos, which I, I've I've read some people say it's very interesting the way they played the tattoos into the costume mm-hmm. design. Yep. And then I've heard other people say, I don't think he should have tattoos. And I don't know if that's just because they don't like tattoos or if that's because they really don't think water people would have tattoos. I mean, what's a water person? <laughs> what's, a, what's a person that comes from the ocean? I mean, why would he possibly not have um, designs of his people, mm. uh, just just like other, uh, just like earthbound uh, tribes and yep. different religions have had uh, markings on their skin and that kind of thing. So, yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily see that as a problem. I understand that it's not the clean cut Super Friends, um, you know, campy, cheesy uh, Aquaman. But mm. if that's what you're looking for, I don't think that that exists in the comics now either. Mm. Yeah, uh, the, the whole thing about tattoos, I remember them saying that, um, you know, uh, I mean, Momoa has a Polynesian background, I'm, I'm pretty sure, and uh, the Polynesian people, their tribal tattoos mean a lot to them as far as uh, their culture. And um, so, um, you know, we don't know the origins of Aquaman in this kind of iteration of the character. Um, you know, we can't forget that uh, he wasn't always from um atlantis you know he grew up on earth so you know who's to say where his origins what island he was on or whatever at the time um you know before he found out about his uh his origins of being an atlantean so you know those tattoos may have been gained from from some other you know uh, period in his life um but i like the look momoa uh, is very proud of his heritage of his uh, polynesian heritage so uh, you know, I, I imagine that would be something that he'd be proud of as far as having that uh, integrated into the Aquaman design. And I know that um, uh, the costume designer whose name is escape, Michael Wilkinson, uh, he, as an Australian, and there's a lot of Polynesian uh, people around the Australian and New Zealand areas, are, um, you know, uh, he knows their culture and knows their history for the tattoos. So imagine, and that would have been part and parcel of his design elements and uh, thought process too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it looks great. And I think, um, you know, people are saying online, you know, for years they've been trying to make Aquaman tough and trying to reimagine him and trying to get people to like him. And nothing they do is going to work. And you have to go with the original look. And, and they do this with every character, really. I mean, there's mm, still complaints right. about what uh, Henry Cavill's Superman looks like. Yep. Uh, and there's complaints about what Batman looks like in Wonder Woman, that the colors are muted. And, uh, but, I, I mean, I, I think that, it's been clear for a while, similar to the briefs on Superman, that some people have a misconception about what those briefs are, just like some people have a misconception about who Aquaman is. And that mm. misconception comes from probably the most well-known interpretation of Aquaman, which is the Super Friends, yep. which is where he was pretty useless. Uh, but that, you know, I mean, but, uh, you know, he controls... 80% of the earth. He's a king in, in the, the large, you know, much larger land than any king on earth is. And he's, he's got, you know, he does have power over the elements down there and over the animals down there. And he has super strength and he has a measured invulnerability. And Zack Snyder himself has said he could uh, give Superman a run for his money. I'm not, I'm not super happy about that because we already got human Batman that's apparently going to beat down Superman. But uh, but I do like a tough Aquaman, and I do like – I'm glad that it looks like 
these people who constantly make fun of Aquaman are going to see what he can really do, I hope, uh, as we move forward here. Yeah, now, Unite the Seven, the hashtag or the and the, um, the writing over the, the image, um, some speculation that it might have been about uniting the seven seas. I think that's an outdated concept as far as, you know, what we know of the, uh, uh, the planet now. Uh, I was of the opinion that it was about uniting the seven members of the Justice League um, and that they would be Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, The Flash and Green Lantern. Well, I think it's an interesting play on words, right? Because mm-hmm. he's uh, he is from he's the, the ocean, of the ocean, and he is the king of the, the you know the seven seas, quote unquote. And then, of course, uh, play on words. They use it, uh, I think, in that manner as well. I think it's a little tongue in cheek. Uh, uh, clearly uh, meant to uh, make people think one yeah. way, but, but possibly mean the other thing as well. So. Yeah. Uh, and I think you're right. You know, it's funny because when I looked at it, that's what I thought the seven seas because he's Aquaman, and 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 uh, not that there are seven seas, but just that it's a uh, it's, it's a, a term that we use term that people use. And yeah. that's what I thought of. And then I started hearing people talking about uh, the Justice League and uh, realized that it's obviously uh, it probably has a dual meaning. So that's mm. uh, that's cool. Yep. Now, the uh, other thing about Batman v Superman that we have to talk about is the fact that Christina Wren, who played um, the captain, was she a captain? Farris? Um, in Man of Steel. Uh, she was Major Carrie Farris in Man of Steel. Um, she uh, has revealed that her character will return in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, she's very excited about it. The only really thing, she, only thing she could say about it was that it's going to be badass, as the, everyone came, seems to be. That's a catchphrase that people use. She says they're just such an awesome team. The bits that I was on set for look fantastic. Everyone in it is fantastic. It's exciting. It's high energy. It's high action. They are addressing all of the things that they set up in Man of Steel. Very good. I mean, I like it. I like it. And she she had a very minor role, mm-hmm. and people speculate that that she is Carol uh, from the Green Lantern mythos because yeah. he, she has a similar name. I don't. I'm not really sure why that would be the case, but if it is, I guess they just decided to change her name to keep you guessing. Um, and she did have a small role in Man of Steel, but it's neat. It almost makes it seem like it really is kind of a sequel-ish movie, even though it's not Man of Steel two. <laughs> We're seeing supporting characters from that film continue here, which means, just like she said, they're following up on a lot of things they set up and covered in Man of Steel. So that's always good to hear. Yeah, and she does uh, touch on that rumor about her being the Carrie Farris, the Carol Farris or whatever from Green Lantern. Uh, but she says, "Look, I have no idea if that's the plan. Then that's they're not even slated to to do a Green Lantern film for several years. So I think it's more of a." Um, coincidence that the surname seems to be the same she may be a sister or related to her but her name is carrie farris not carol farris who is green Lantern's girlfriend so i don't think that uh, she'll be one and the same but uh she doesn't even know herself so it's not something that's been uh put forward with her um so yeah that's everything we have really for this month on batman v superman i'm sure we will get more details soon as now a uh... teaser trailer or anything like that we still don't know any dates there's still a lot of speculation about when that teaser trailer will finally land. As we're recording this, I'm reminded that the Oscars uh, are on right now, uh, and I wonder: uh, Are you? Do you know if uh, if uh, Batman v Superman or any of the upcoming uh, DC Universe movies uh, have been nominated this year? Are you? Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> up to date on that, or don't you have to actually have been screened before you can uh, be nominated? Oh, man, you always get me on technicalities. Mm, well, look, uh, Henry Cavill's so interested in the Oscars that he's not even attending. Uh, oh, so okay. uh, I guess that means he's not nominated. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn. Well, I guess I don't have to watch then. No, well, uh, we'll move forward uh, and create our own interesting show. Um, Justice League versus Bizarro League, the Lego DC superheroes animated movie, is finally out. Uh, haven't got a chance to watch it yet, but some of the clips that have been posted online from Warner Brothers and that we've put up ourselves at the Superman homepage look really cool. I'm really interested to see this one. It looks like a lot of fun, uh, a lot of humour. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, to actually sitting down and watching it. Um, so I guess it's something that you'd be able to watch with your kids. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, listen, if you like Legos and uh, you're not Clark, but you're something a little more bizarre, this movie might be for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, if you haven't yet uh, purchased it, it is out on Blu-ray and DVD, and you can get that from the Superman homepage online store. Uh, it looks We've got a review up on the uh, Superman homepage by T.A. Hewitt, who is usually a very harsh critic on a lot of things, he gave this a four out of five, which uh, I think is um, a, a pretty good score from someone who's always, you know, very looking at things with a very fine eye and, uh, and critical of anything that doesn't really uh, jibe well. So uh, uh, four out of five from T.A. Hewitt for Biz uh, Justice League versus Bizarro League. Very good. I'll have to catch that one at some point. I'm a couple behind, though, as we've covered before. Yes. All right. Well, let's move into some TV news, and uh, we finally get some more details about Supergirl this month. Uh, there was a bit of controversy about some of the casting choices. Um, we have the casting announcement early in February that McCard Brooks was cast as Jimmy Olsen. It created a bit of stir amongst the fans because McCard Brooks is a black actor. Uh, he's a little bit older. Uh, he doesn't represent what many would consider to be the ideal or classic look for Jimmy Olsen. Uh, he doesn't have red hair, he's not white, he doesn't have freckles. Um, even the description for him makes him uh, out to be a bit of um, a bit of a ladies' man, I guess. So uh, what is your... I mean, I think you've done a, a, a great Scott segment for the Speeding Bulletin about this, uh, but briefly, what's your thoughts on the whole McCard Brooks thing as being him cast as Jimmy Olsen? Yeah, I mean, listen, um, it's similar to the complaint people have about this Aquaman photo. Uh, uh, people get reimagined. People get uh, uh, cast differently than what people expect all the time. The costumes look different. The people look different. Amy Adams has red hair. She's a little older. Uh, Aquaman looks very different than what most general most people in the general public are familiar with what aquaman looks like and this is a case that we have here mccod brooks obviously not what most people familiar with superman would think of when they thought of jimmy olsen and that's where the controversy comes in for me uh i think there's two things he's 35 which i know on tv and in movies they oftentimes cast people older to play younger but there's also the fact that as you say He's kind of a ladies' man, and it's going to be Kara with a crush on him as opposed to him with a crush on Kara, which just doesn't sound like Jimmy Olsen's character to me. Jimmy Olsen's kind of kind of sheepish and kind of shy around people and women and kind of uh, not really, you know, he's not really been, in, in my experience, not really been known to be a lady killer. Uh, not that he's never had a date or not that he couldn't have a girlfriend, 
But, uh, you know, this guy's very, very charming and very good looking and kind of a model-y type. And I've never really pictured Jimmy Olsen being that way. Mm, yeah. Now, I'm with you. I, I think I uh, published a um, Big Blue Report newsletter article on my thoughts on casting uh, McCard Brooks as Jimmy <laughs> Olsen. Um, if you, if you, you know, they were going in to this, uh, the description for the casting call was for open ethnicity. So they were obviously going in from the very start looking for someone who was maybe a bit outside what the normal um, uh, details or description would be for Jimmy Olsen in general. Uh, and uh, I've seen McCard Brooks in uh, some other TV shows. Uh, he's a great actor. He's probably a little bit older than I would have considered for Jimmy. But as you say, they can play these things however they like on TV. He can play younger. Uh, he doesn't look that old. Um, but, yeah, I have no problem with them casting in an actor of different ethnicity for the role of Jimmy Olsen. I know a lot of people do. And I guess there is a lot of debate about, well, where do you draw the line? I mean, could we one day have a Clark Kent Superman who is uh, Asian or black or of other, some other ethnicity? And I, I don't... It's, it's a very um, hotbed question. I, it's, you know... No, I wouldn't say... I would say no because... You know, you're talking about an iconic character, and I guess it depends on whether or not you consider Jimmy Olsen to be of that level of iconic, uh, you know, of an iconic class. Well, it's like I said on my um, on my Great Scott episode. It's it's one of these things that the general public knows whether or not they read comics. Uh, people kind of know who Jimmy Olsen is. You know, there's been enough movies, there's been enough TV shows, there's been enough cartoons, there's been enough ways that you can be. Um, exposed to Jimmy Olsen. It's similar to Superman. It's obviously he's not the thing. He's not the star. But if if you are going to say that, listen, I don't I don't care. I mean, I don't I think we should we should uh, embrace all ethnicities. And, and I do. And I, and I think that we should. And I think that they should be everybody should be included in movies and films and TV mm, and stories sure. and everywhere, yep. obviously. Yep. But uh, that doesn't necessarily for me extend to they should be able to be any any role, even if that role is traditionally not of whatever uh, ethnicity we're talking about. So so for me, I'm not I don't have a problem with it. It is what it is. I'm going to watch it. He's going to be fine. I'm sure it's going to be a very, very different take on Jimmy Olsen. And that's OK. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, a, I'm with you on Superman. But I've also heard people say I have I have no problem if we have a uh, homosexual Superman in the future or a uh, uh, a female Superman. And, you know, but that would be Supergirl. So. I don't again, like you said, I don't know where you draw the line, but if you're going to be soapboxing and you're going to say that, uh, you know, we're in a world where you can walk around any corner and run into any person of any ethnicity. So in order to show that realism on TV and in movies, we have to therefore cast everybody around all of our people of different ethnicities and we have to have a mix. And of course, that depends on where you're at. You know, where I am, it's primarily not an ethnic area. So you're not going to run into that everywhere, but 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 Supergirl, I assume, is going to take place either in Metropolis or in another major city. And if you're in a major city, then that kind of extra ethnicity and all kinds of groups of people are going to be there. So you may have friends of the main character or the main character themselves being of a minority, and that's uh, that is real world. So yes, you you there should be varied casting and, and varied casts in these shows and they've been doing it just as long as 
superhero shows have been on. I mean, mm. Pete Ross was a black guy in Smallville, and that's Smallville. That's not a town where there's necessarily going to be an influx of different ethnicities. That's more likely to be an all-white area, but they did it anyway. Lana was <clears throat> Asian. Uh, Superman himself on on Lois and Clark was Hawaiian, and it was very evident that he was Hawaiian. He wasn't, um, you know, ultimately mm, uh, a Japanese too, all American white guy. So it happens, and mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily make that much of a difference to the character. But uh, yeah, people have a thought in their mind, and it's been kind of beaten in there since the beginning of the character. And like you wrote in, in your in your uh, bullet or your report, um, that was you know when these characters were created, it was predominantly uh, white males who were creating these characters in the 30s and 40s, and so their sphere of influence and and the allowance of minorities in. Um, stories and in workplaces was was very very low if at all so for them for everyone to be white in a cast was normal Hmm. and so for us it's not necessarily normal to every channel you turn on have 900 white people and nobody else so that's what they're trying to do and i and i and i understand that so the question is as you say where you draw the line or if there is a line can any character can anybody can the hulk be red one day um uh, you know and i know he was at some some point <laughs> in the storyline but my point is yeah uh, no, can yeah. anybody be any color any ethnicity anything and in general the answer my answer is yes anybody can be if you're creating anything you can create them to be anything you want yeah. uh, when you're doing something uh, you know i brought up annie in my great scott thing and i think that that probably is the best example for me Annie, uh, like Popeye or something, is just a major kind of iconic, kind of well-known. She's a redheaded orphan who is white, and not you know it doesn't matter if she weren't, but if she is, so that's where you get this controversy. People go, well, that's not Annie, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. that's all it is, and and I, I don't think it's a. I most of the time, I don't think it's an ill will. No. That causes people to feel that way. It's I about don't, staying I don't... true to the character. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Superman which, which could be, be a problem with Aquaman. Yeah, true. I mean, Superman couldn't be a three three foot bald guy. I mean, that's just <laughs> you know, that does, <laughs> that why doesn't, it doesn't match the iconic image of what the character is supposed to represent or who he's supposed to be. Superman has a particular look, and so you know. But people say, well, so does Jimmy Olsen. But then we've never had an actor who's had red hair play Jimmy Olsen. They've always been, you know, different color hair, not necessarily had freckles, not necessarily had the bow tie, but that is yet the image that we have of Jimmy Olsen. So I guess it's an ongoing debate. It's something that is going to create controversy. But as you say, we live in a diverse world and you're going to get workplaces that have a diverse number of different races working there. And so it's only right that we have that uh, represented in the TV shows and movies that we watch. It's just that when you're trying to represent an iconic character, you want the actor to fit the image of that iconic character and many of the f- characters in the world of Superman are were created in the 30s and 40s and they were a majority of white people so I well, you know, you, this is another opportunity, just like with Perry White and Man of Steel, to introduce the general public to some characters they don't know. Yep. Nobody knows. Nobody knows who Ron Troop is. Right. They could have used Ron Troop in the same <clears throat> position, and he would be an older guy, and he could be a more established, you know, investigator type person that Kara might then have a crush on, as opposed to again changing the character of Jimmy Olsen, yeah. especially when they're saying that. 
Uh, now the rumor is that it's going to exist in Superman's world mm -hmm. and that this lumberjack who's going to be her first uh, foe it, it, it has faced off against Superman before. So I guess we're throwing out the window the whole Superman's pal thing because he's an older guy and he's on the cast of Supergirl. And you didn't need to use Jimmy or Ron Troop at all. You could have had, if you wanted someone for Kara to have a crush on and you wanted him to be of ethnic origin, you could have just created your own character. The, 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 the only issue comes, as you say, when they're trying to cast a character that's iconic or that's well-known mm. that isn't in the traditional casting that people would expect. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Lumberjack. Uh, he will supposedly be Supergirl's first foe that she'll go up against in the pilot episode of the upcoming CBS Supergirl TV show. Uh, the character, I think, appeared once or somewhat was an obscure character. It was a Wonder Woman villain. Um, and beyond that, nobody knows much about him. Uh, he's supposed to be a hulking, you know, kind of guy with a beard um, who is known as Lumberjack. Beyond that, we really don't know anything else about him. And I guess you probably want to throw away character in the first episode because you don't want to use someone like, say, Silver Banshee or um, you know, Comet or some of the other characters that she might come up against that would be around for a lot longer or maybe be the big bad guys of the series or whatever. Not that Comet's a bad guy, but you know what I mean. Yeah, well, you know, this character could become something or it could just be a throwaway. Mm -hmm. uh, people like to complain. I mean... Oh, really? Um, I, <laughs> I heard a lot, like a ton of stuff about this Lumberjack. Like, you're kidding, right? Like, really? Lumberjack? Come on. So the show's going to be a joke. These kinds of uh, comments on it. And it's kind of, well... I mean, I think it's neat when they draw back to, or you know, I love it on Arrow when when I hear a name and I go, that really sounds familiar. And I'm not ultimately familiar with every single character in the DC universe, but I look it up on Google and I found out that it was a character that is similar on Arrow that that did appear in the comics, and you know, and I like that. I like when they draw on uh, on comics, and then you have comic fans who generally say, well, that's not canon, so I don't like it. But then when they pull somebody out of out of obscurity that is in the comics and use them in a show, then then there's a complaint the other way. Well, why are they using this character? You know, uh, but I, I I don't care. I mean, fine. I mean, it's Lumberjack. Who, you know, but you're right. It was a obscure a one shot villain who appeared in a Wonder Woman comic way back when, and no one's ever heard of him again. And there's never been any backstory. He doesn't have a name, and no one knows who he is, and no one really cares. But we're gonna find out a little more about him, I guess. On this show, he was an assassin. He was a really dangerous guy, and he was hired by uh, somebody in that story to do some bad things. And uh, I guess, I mean, presumably, he's going to be a similar character here. Yeah. Now, uh, so we'll wait and see uh, what that ends up like. Uh, we don't know much else. Are you sure that wasn't a picture of Lumberjack and not Aquaman? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's about, I, I think, any. what they're looking for. There's no looking. plaid, was there? Oh no, no plaid, no plaid, no trees either. Yeah, that's right. Uh, not much. Unite plan. the seven trees. <laughs> Very good. Now the uh, other bit of casting we have uh, for Supergirl is the casting of her Kryptonian mother, Allura, and uh, Laura Benanti has been cast in that role. And there's a very similar look between uh, Laura and uh, the uh, the girl that's been cast. I'm just forgetting her name to play Supergirl herself. Benoist. Yes, uh, what's the first name? Is it Melissa? Melissa Benoist, yes. Uh, there's a very similar look between the two of them, so uh, that's pretty 
good that they could find someone uh, who looked who could look like uh, she would be Kara's mother. And uh, she is best known, I guess. She's currently appearing on the country music drama Nashville on ABC. Other roles she's been in include stints on Nurse Jackie, Law and Order SVU, Royal Pains, and Go On. So she's been in a few shows. And um, he, here she'll be playing, I guess, a recurring role of some kind as Allura Zorel. Yeah, great. I mean, uh, recurring could mean history, yep. could mean flashbacks, flashbacks yep. could mean Kara uh, 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 has some sort of access to a Kryptonian orb or something that's going to show her her mother, uh, or, or you know, it could mean a number of things. Obviously, she's not around anymore, although there are different continuities and different storylines where uh, our Kryptonian friends have actually come in contact with real versions of their people who are supposed to have been long dead. So mm. I'm not sure exactly which way they're going to go. I mean, hopefully it's a flashback type of thing. I wouldn't mind some Kryptonian technology. Uh, we, we talked about talked about that with Man of Steel as well. Hopefully there's some sort of technology left over once we get into exploring more about Clark and, and, and that kind of thing in those movies. But hopefully the same thing can happen here. And, and uh, I know it's a bit different of a show than the Arrows or the, or the uh, Flashes. It's going to be more of a police procedural with investigation going on and uh, some intertwining threads of story that go throughout the season, but not, not so much a serialized uh, uh, story about a superhero as much as we might hope for. But uh, it's interesting that, as you say, they found two actors that kind of look alike to play mother and daughter. It's always good when they do that. You know, um, it, it's, it seems to be a trend that these superhero shows like to go back in time and cast people who have been associated before on The Flash. You have the guy who played The Flash on the 90s series yep. playing The Flash's dad. Um, on uh, the, the girl who played the scientist on the original Flash series also played the same character on yes. the new Flash. Show. So they do that kind of stuff. On, on Smallville, um, Supergirl's mother was the original Supergirl, Helen Slater. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people might say, well, it'd be kind of neat to, to continue that tradition on this show. But I guess, you know, they want to be different. They want to set themselves apart. They don't want to necessarily have any connection to that kind of thing. And where it would be nice to maybe use Helen Slater again in the role, um, maybe that gets a little old for her too. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe she wasn't available. Maybe they decided to go a different way. But um that is the casting announcements we have so far for Supergirl, the upcoming TV series that we expect will uh, debut sometime maybe around September on CBS. So we'll keep you updated with any further developments on that front. Uh, the only other TV news that we do have is an announcement from DC Entertainment in late January that the DC Super Friends toy line, uh, which in was inspired by the Fisher-Price Imaginex action figures and playsets will be turned into a series of 15 three-minute animated shorts set to launch on television in the spring. I guess that's about April, May in the US. That will be accompanied by an app to further connect audiences uh, to the toys and the characters. Um, I'm all over this being the fact that the Super Friends will be back on TV. I'm just a little disappointed that they're only three-minute animated shorts rather than full episodes. Uh, but it's great that... Uh, kids are going to be able to get the Super Friends back on TV. Yeah, it bothers me the same way. I when I read this report, I I thought, why does it have to be three minutes? I mean, 
we had great shows that were a little more adult skewed that, that maybe little kid like the justice league show, they could watch it for the action. And there was a lot of action. That was actually the least favorite parts of the show for me because it often seemed like they were just there to keep kids attention. But any of the character work, any of the heavy stuff, kids can't really follow, but on a super friends cartoon, you might be able to, to really kind of cater to kids a lot more. And maybe it's the, uh, you know, the attention span thing, you know, maybe they've done studies, maybe they feel like um, shorts are better because kids are running around playing, they're on a Kindle, they're, you know, my kids uh, are always on Kindles, or they're out of the room, or they're playing with toys, they're not, they don't really sit and watch for long periods of time, unless they really get caught up in something. So generally, I, I guess I could see the uh, theory behind let's make them short because if we can catch their attention for three minutes, you know, maybe they'll be looking for it next time and, and maybe they'll get interested in the characters as opposed to trying to force them to sit through long plots or long storylines or character work like on a Young Justice or something. Uh, maybe You know, because even Teen Titans Go, you know, which we've talked about before, is not a, it's not a serious cartoon. I don't even think they do any crime fighting on that show it's all jokes and singing and dancing around i've been watching some of the episodes lately and it is kind of funny uh so i kind of like it for what it is but it's not a it's not really a superhero show Mm -hmm. but even that is only they're only uh, 11 minutes or something they're not they're not full half hour shows so maybe that's uh you know they do all kinds of studies i'm sure that they're that's the trend maybe you know they're thinking that that's that's going to be better for them in the long run but Mm. uh see yeah, exactly. We don't know what the attention span of kids these days are if they're even watching TV, as you say, because of iPads and Kindles and computers and everything else that they've got, uh, you know, trying to get their attention. So uh, maybe three-minute animated shorts are, is the way to go. Maybe that's the, you know, that's the audience that they're catering to. So, uh, But it's great to see that uh, they are doing something for kids these days. Uh, in most of the animated movies and things are for adults. Uh, consumption so it's great that we will have uh, something that is aimed at younger children and we look forward to uh, reporting on those and covering those for you once they do start screening uh, in about april or may i think that's when spring is in the u.s yes indeed okay april or may so i didn't know it was going to be that quick i figured it's set to return to tv they haven't even started you know it'll be years from now but uh good yeah very good so we'll uh, keep you posted on updates about when that will uh, when that will happen. All right, let's move into our comic book discussions. And uh, this past month, we've had uh, quite a v- lot of revelations about the uh, second issues in this whole convergence event that's going to be taking place in May. Uh, April will be number the number one issues of convergence, and we've got all the details about the number two issues, which will uh, be released in May. And uh, some really interesting titles in this are. Uh, there's so many different uh, characters from different eras across different uh, stories that will be uh, connecting. You've got the, the Superboy, the 1990s leather jacket wearing Superboy coming up against the Kingdom Come Superman. Uh, you've got um, the uh, headband Supergirl with Superman uh, finding out, it will try and get through out of, out of the Phantom Zone and learning about Supergirl's death that happened at that uh, at that time of Infinite Crisis. Just lots happening, just really... I think Dan Jurgen said it best. He said that when he's touching his 
doing his story about you know touching base with the Superman of the pre New Fifty Two era, uh, who didn't really get any of those like a farewell or a you know uh, th- those loose ends weren't really tied off. Uh, he's being able to go back and touch base with those characters to be able to tell a story that will kind of say farewell to those characters. Although Convergence may end up having some kind of uh, feed through effect uh, post Convergence. Yeah, I mean, convergence kind of means the coming together of. So yep. they're all going to come together, at least for this time period. Does that mean that it's going to continue forward in some manner after that? That's that's. I think that's really what the big question is and, and what a lot of people are hoping for. Obviously, all of those characters, you know, headband, Supergirl, and leather jacket, red gloves, wearing Superboy and stuff, are probably not going to be ongoing future stories. But some sort of version of all of these characters maybe coming together or maybe... Uh, combining in some way, converging in some way, might uh, might happen, could happen, or this could be kind of a one and done sort of thing when these stories are over, you know. And, and then they could revisit it later, or there could be mini series, or there could be uh, times when they do a nine issue or twelve issue story about those characters. And I'm sure people will like it if they do. But uh, again, it's another big DC event. They seem to do a lot of these um, these days that may or may not have ramifications in the ongoing continuity. Yeah, so we'll wait now and see what happens with Convergence. It does start in April. Uh, looking forward to it. It seems to have created a lot of buzz amongst fans. Hopefully it will return some fans back to uh, the comics if uh, they haven't really been uh, all up with New 52. It hasn't, you know, it, some people went away from it. So um, it's uh, exciting. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how some of these play out. Well, it's not a bad idea in terms of there. there is a large portion of the comic book reading population that, that for whatever reason, briefs being gone or just they don't like the stories, did get turned off by the fact that their continuity ended and a new one began with mm-hmm. New 52. And, and, and maybe some of the, even some of the people who haven't read comics since the you know 70s that are seeing some of these other characters that haven't been around in so long uh, might come and, and just check it out if they hear about it so it's not a bad idea marketing wise and trying to connect them what would be a better idea after that would be to somehow continue them so that you know marvel introduced the ultimates line Mm. which was, uh, you know, the characters were different and the stories were different and and the regular stuff still kept going. So if the New 52 continuity is going to keep going, they could still have these other characters going in a different continuity. Why why couldn't they have two? The argument against that, of course, is that just having one line doesn't really sell uh, that particularly well. So it might be difficult to try and sell two full lines of uh, two alternate universes. Mm. And speaking about New 52 and people not necessarily jumping on board, uh, DC Comics announced that they will end the New 52 branding. Uh, Many of the titles will continue, the Superman, Action Comics, Batman, all those will continue in that continuity. The New 52 continuity of those books will continue. However, other books will be cancelled and new titles will be uh, brought, uh, brought in. And one of those, and a couple of those that may be Superman related, there's a Bizarro a title that looks uh, could be interesting, could be a bit of fun, um, and there's um, some other titles that, uh, in general, I think uh, Superman fans might be interested in checking out once they they do start. But um, yeah, looking forward to to seeing what happens uh, after Convergence and how this 
the, the removal of the new 50 branding affects sales and things like that? Yeah, I, I uh, actually tune in uh, this week for Great Scott. I'm going to talk a little bit about that branding being taken off the title and how it was kind of announced and, and how it seemed misleading at first. But yeah, they're going to remove that. I mean, after all, uh, it's four years old now. Uh, how long? I mean, if this is an indefinite line until they until they re you know uh, relaunch it again, you're not going to keep that on forever. I mean, because it's technically not. Uh, new 52 anymore it's it's the universe it is it is where we're at it's not you know new 52 kind of says that it's different from something that was before but Mm. you kind of don't necessarily want to continue to advertise well we're not what we were before uh when 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 it's been four years now so we are what we are now as opposed to we're new now uh could be the idea there but uh especially when you're not 52 anymore yeah, there's not that uh, either, and I don't think there was 52 for very long. Actually, no, exactly. uh, a lot of titles went away pretty quickly. Uh, I, I had some interest in some of the new titles that uh, were not necessarily superhero related, and then they went away pretty quick. Yeah, so uh, I guess it's really not really the new 52 uh, continuity or era anymore. I think we've always on the Superman homepage referred to the titles in, uh, especially in our uh, cataloging. Uh, capacity and the, the the images of the covers and that we've always called it the post flashpoint era uh i think that's probably more uh relevant and probably more precise yeah probably with it you know, as you say the new 52 the whole idea of that was that there were 52 worlds there that correlated to 52 different comic books they, they were using 52 in a lot of different ways yeah. but uh, i don't really relevant. think that that's happening anymore no exactly all right, uh, the big thing from the Superman comics this month was uh, Superman number 38. And before we get into the actual story of Superman number 38, the reason it created a lot of buzz and a lot of hype was the fact that Superman had a bit of a costume change. There were some tweaks to the costume as designed uh, originally by Jim Lee and now adapted and uh, some, well, he had to get a new costume because of what happened in the story. And John Romita Jr. made those adjustments. Uh, and the new costume came about because of a new power that was introduced by Jeff Johns, the, the writer for this particular story, um, called a Super Flare. Uh, what did you make of both the power and the costume? Well, you know, a lot of photos came out online, I guess, of what the new costume supposedly looked like, but in this story itself, you don't really see too many differences. Maybe the sleeves look a little longer, but I really think that's just John Romita's Jr.'s sloppy style. <laughs> uh, other than that, the, the costume pretty much looks Similar. the same. Yeah, the boots uh, look better. I, and I think I think it might it could also just be uh, John Romita Jr. not really paying that much attention to how he's drawing and just kind of you know drawing it however it comes out and someone got a hold of it and they said, oh look, it's a new costume. Uh, I mean, yes, in the story, his costume does get destroyed, Um by this super flare power uh i don't like the name super flare but uh it kind of made sense in terms of the story and i think it might have even been brought on by the type of energy he was facing in the other universe and against ulysses and as opposed to it i know it's a big deal it's a new power you know as opposed to it being a new power like he uses flight all the time he uses super strength all the time this is something that kind of happened by accident and I don't really see him pulling out of his arsenal very often. 
And I don't even know that he even knows how to pull it out of his arsenal if he wanted to. It was just something that happened with the circumstances being the way it was and the extra energy he was being infused with and hit with and being surrounded by. And so I thought it was cool. I mean, I could see it happening, I suppose. Uh, it's a little different than, you know, staring at the opposite side of a door and making the doorbell ring or uh, or, or making the bricks of the Great Wall of China build, rebuild themselves with a stare. Um, this is something that seems to be organic and seems to have developed. It's not like he just did it one day and no one said anything about it. Um, boy, does Batman look horrendous in this story. God, <laughs> the art is just so bad. I, I don't I, I know we keep I keep harping on it, but I seriously this guy's a professional i mean i couldn't draw what he's drawing but i'm not a professional artist i don't understand i don't no i'm with you i i don't like his art either um and you're talking about the sloppiness of his artwork i mean well i don't know if the colorist is is at fault but the one image we saw he had a yellow belt buckle but then in the comic book it's still red uh but it's an oval shape now so i guess that's where maybe the confusion comes from because whenever superman has had an oval belt buckle, it's usually been gold or yellow. So, um, it, look, I'm not a fan of John Romita Jr.'s art. When The other thing we're going to talk about is the fact that Jeff Johns has announced that he's uh, leaving as of after Superman number 39. So he's got one more issue as of this recording to go to finish up the, the story that he set up, set up uh, when he came on board. But, um, it, look... I, I'm not a fan of John Romita Jr. And I was kind of, when he when Jeff Johns announced he was leaving, uh, I, along with a lot of other fans, thought that it meant that both of them were going. But John Romita Jr. will be hanging around. around. Uh, he's, uh, of course he be, will. Why yes, wouldn't he? He will be joined by an artist called Gene Lewin Yang, uh, who will be now ro- taking on the, the, the Superman title as the writer, as of issue number 40. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the new power... Um, Jeff Johns introduces it, uh, finishes off, and then leaves. And they make a big graphic about it. it's a new power. There's a cover with a new power. Uh, but as you say, it's kind of happened by accident. kind of happened because Ulysses was there and the feedback and that all that kind of stuff that happens with Superman's powers because of Ulysses being around. I don't know if Superman knows how to do it again. I don't know if he'd want to do it again because he will be, as we now found out, uh, powerless for 24 hours or thereabouts. Uh, having expelled and ex- uh, all of his solar energy that he's stored within his cells and has to take about 24 hours before he can recharge. And, uh, you know, I mean, and you mentioned Batman. Why couldn't some other character, why couldn't uh, Dr. Veritas, whatever her name is, from the block have been the one to talk to Superman about, you know, what happened with his powers and that he has to recharge and all that kind of stuff? Why was it Batman who had to yank him out of the the fire and you know just just i don't know that's another one of those things yeah we've talked about it before it seems like uh for some reason in everybody's stories they just want to infuse a little batman whenever they can Mm. and uh i didn't mind it so much here but i but i i certainly feel the same way you do it could have been anybody it didn't have to be batman Uh, although when i was reading it and i feel this a lot when i read comics i I guess i just don't understand the medium but when it when a massive world event a million people are being taken off the planet and there are spaceships everywhere and ooze creatures that kind of look like the tar monster that killed tasha yar kind of coming out of those ships uh wouldn't there be other heroes around wouldn't there be you know army presence and and Mm, it just seems like i understand we're 
you know, contained in this guy's story and we wanted to be about Superman. But, you know, when it was a big event, when Doomsday came and killed him in the 90s, you know, the entirety of the Justice League was taken out first. And, you know, army blockades were taken down and lots of people were affected by it. And, and this story seems like it would be a pretty major event in the world. And there's nobody important in it except Superman. I mean, we don't hear from the president. We don't hear from any news organizations we don't we don't hear from anybody hmm. so it seems a little odd and then suddenly batman just shows up um who probably should have been around with other heroes at another time during this thing when two supermen are kind of laying the smackdown all over uh, metropolis and all over the world and all other other universes um but yeah i i get what you're saying about why did it have to be batman again uh and why did it have to be such a bad looking batman too <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, the, uh, the story itself uh, was somewhat interesting. At least, you know, I, I guess the big story point that really hasn't really kind of skipped under the radar a little bit in face of the new power, the new costume, and <coughs> Jeff Johns leaving was the fact that at the end of the issue, Superman reveals his secret identity to Jimmy Olsen. And Jimmy had a bit to do in his story because he's given away all his multi-million dollars that he... Uh, was left by his parents uh, to all those people who were then left behind by the fact that they were returned from this fourth dimension after, you know, uh, being duped into to going there. Um, so that kind of resets Jimmy Olsen's story as far as his wealth is concerned, but it, it adds a new uh, angle to the story now that Clark has revealed to him that he is Superman. Well, he was so shocked he turned into a different ethnicity. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh no. no 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 he went there uh no uh it's it's strange because i wonder if this is going to be what makes jimmy like the ladies man like he goes around <laughs> telling other women that you know he knows who superman is and him and him you know they're real tight and he knows his secret identity and you know if they uh kind of give him what he wants they'll maybe they'll learn his identity too and you know because that would make sense you know because the character is very different when he knows superman's identity mm. so i could see him being kind of overly cocky and confident and uh but seriously man of action um I actually thought that this was the most heroic thing um, any character has done in a long time. To give away that kind of money, kind of just nonchalantly and not even think about it, really, um, uh, to help other people, uh, just seemed, seemed like a very, very heroic thing to do. And you're right. Um, a lot of this other stuff kind of overshadowed the fact that the biggest story point, the biggest change the thing that maybe people should be, you know, hollering about as opposed to whether or not Aquaman looks like he has a, a messy beard is maybe that, you know, this character, Jimmy Olsen, who has been traditionally kind of the golly gee friend to Clark Kent and, and pal to Superman, who he hopes shows up once in a while so he can use a signal watch or whatever, is now been let in on the suit this has never happened before mm. this is a huge massive event in the tradition of the superman and his surrounding characters story yeah it's a major event so uh it'll be interesting to see how that plays out i imagine that will be where they pick up with uh superman number 39 which will be released um i guess the day this podcast goes to air or gets released online so uh we'll be talking about this in depth next month on our next episode of radio kl 
Uh, and it is Jeff John's last issue, issue number 39 of Superman. So I'm sure that will be something that he'll be tackling, uh, along with the fact that Superman is powerless for the 24-hour period that this next chapter may take place in. Yeah, I hope they do that. That would be, I mean, it'd kind of be a... Good I don't know, to finish off. kind of a write-off if they came back with another story uh, after a day later where he was back to what he was before he mm. kind of like we don't even get to see the aftermath of, yeah you know that, that, i would rather that not be the case i hope exactly we get to see how it goes and how long it does actually take i know batman said and since batman's always right it'll probably be exactly what he said but i know he said it could take up to a day or whatever so we need to kind of see how he uh how he deals with that going forward yep. and we welcome gene lu and yang to the superman books i uh, don't know much about him um he uh, has written some of his own uh, comics uh that obviously were uh well you know selling well enough and of you know great enough interest to dc comics to uh bring him on board uh, as the writer of uh, one of their flagship titles so uh, we we look forward to welcoming uh, welcoming Gene Lu and Yang to the Superman books. Uh, he's known for his books like American Born Chinese and The Shadow Hero, and he makes his DC Comics debut by taking on the writing duties on Superman. Uh, as I said, joining current series artist John Romita Jr. That's a pretty big move. Big move coming from kind of independent, uh, your own kind of books, and your first. Your first assignment is on Superman in DC. DC. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. He is an Eisner award, uh, award-winning uh, comic creator, so uh, congratulations to him for grabbing what uh, must be uh, a pretty big step in his career. All right, Action Comics number 39. It's the uh, the end of the Horrorville story. And I wanted to ask you, I've been thinking about this before we even you know started doing this podcast, uh, was whether or not Lana Lang redeemed herself in your eyes in this story. <laughs> You know, as much as I hate to say it, uh, I think uh, I think they they did exactly what they needed to do with Lana, and right. uh, I felt I felt better about her character yeah. uh, after after the apology. You know, uh, uh, it's one thing to be hurt; it's one thing to to uh, to, to feel like someone is uh, is is stepping all over you every minute. But if you can't forgive them when they uh, when they really do give you a heartfelt, uh, meaningful apology, then uh, then uh, you're probably uh, uh, you, you're probably the one with the problem. So, uh, as understanding as Superman is, and as close as they have been through the years, I think he got the idea that she was upset, and he didn't really he didn't really take it to heart, and he didn't really give it back to her or anything. He just kind of let it go, and uh, in the end, it all comes back, and uh, and she apologizes like he probably knew that she would because she probably didn't mean uh, all of her attacks on him in the first place. So, uh, yeah, I was happy with uh, the way that turned out. Yeah, now, Greg Pak's been doing a pretty good job with Action Comics. And uh, number 39 concluded this uh, Horrorville story. Uh, look, Michael Bailey, who reviewed reviews Action Comics for us, uh, liked this. He, he was wrapped with the way it finished up. Uh, I was a bit lukewarm in the whole Horrorville story. I'm not sure I'm... That I don't know if it's the artwork. I mean, the, the, some of the character faces and that you know the, the expressions are really good. But overall, um, I don't know. I was kind of lukewarm on this story. It didn't really, you know. I mean, it's not a, a traditional Superman story. It's got horror elements. Um, there are you know it's a, there's a mystery element to it, and I, I'm happy with that because it's working over in the Batman Superman story that we'll get onto shortly. But I just wasn't 
it just didn't really grab me this story it was it was fun read it was interesting but it wasn't up there with one of the stories that I'll say you know I'll remember for for a long period well it's you know uh it is different as you say it's a different kind of feel for a superman story yeah. it started uh, during the during the horror months of the real year in real yeah. life you know yeah. uh, so they were going for a kind of a horror story in in, in that in the feeling of the season and of course we're we're way and we're way beyond that now so it's not necessarily as meaningful to us at this point uh, i remember earlier on when we were discussing this you did say to me you were really enjoying this you liked the horror elements and you were uh you were interested to see where it was going to go i think i think what happens a lot of times in these uh comic book arcs is that they just have too many chapters uh, maybe too many too it goes on too long and, and you just kind of you lose interest in it or maybe they just have so much filler or maybe they're just trying to make it go for six issues or however many issues it, it is so they kind of lose you during that time uh, i do really like the artwork here it's much different than the artwork in superman wonder woman or in batman superman which i think are the two best drawn books uh, in the Superman line right now, uh, but uh, but this is a little more cartoony. But I also really like the shadowing, and I like I like the style of it. It's you know it's much cleaner than say a John Romita Jr. Uh, even though it's not necessarily realistic looking, mm. I like it as a stylistic choice, and I like the way it looks, and I love the beard. I yeah. actually I no, wish I, I, I wish the beard would uh, stick around uh, for other. Because when does this take place, and and where are we in continuity? How come he has a beard, but doesn't have a beard at any other time? So, I would like to see him with a beard. But again, that's another traditional thing. Superman doesn't really have a beard, so people who would see him with a beard would say Superman doesn't have a beard. Yeah, but uh, uh, this took yeah. place directly after Superman Doomed, where he came back with the beard, and I guess it fits within that time space. Although it did, as you say, dragged on over a couple of months where other stories have moved on from the whole Doom thing and are no longer stuck in that time period, I guess this takes place within a, a more confined uh, time period, within a couple of days, rather than some of the other stories which are now weeks after Doomed. Um, right. It's, it's hard. Because to he's trapped in Smallville. So yeah. He's probably only been there a day or two. Yeah. So it can't, it can't have gone on for months or weeks, you know, no, exactly. even though the story feels like it might have gone on forever. <laughs> well, it did in our time, but... Uh, in the story time, it's only probably a matter of days. Right on. Now, Superman Wonder Woman number 16. Um, this story sees the continuation of the fight with uh, Magog. Um, it's, uh, he gets his memories back from when he was a boy about what happened, why he hates Superman so much. Um, what, do you, what do you make of this story? How are you, how are you finding it? Well, when I, when I first started reading it and, and Superman's hands seemed like they were kind of enveloped by the wiring on the bridge, I had to go back and look because it, it the drawing of it looked like he was trapped in some sort of an energy right. It's more like he's thing. reaching in. I realized then that he was holding the two pieces together. Uh, I, I mean, I like the story. I like that uh, Superman was so strong and so tough that he was able to just stand there right. and hold those things and just take whatever Magog was hitting him with. Uh, I did find myself wondering, why doesn't he just tackle him? 
and like take him out of that situation so that he can uh he's like standing 30 feet away throwing rocks at him like, <laughs> you know here get down from there when you know he's just I mean, he could jump up there he's just as powerful or whatever uh so that was a little weird um it was i was confused for a minute because wonder woman says whoever you are uh you're gonna pay for this and then in the like in the very next panel she says cersei so i don't know if she like just figured it out based on what Cersei was saying. Uh, it was, I think that's what happened. I think once Cersei pointed out a couple of things to her, she mm, realized, realized that what? that's who she was dealing with yeah. based on history that her mother had told her about. Yeah. Um, I don't read the Wonder Woman comics, so no. I guess she hasn't come in contact with Cersei uh, no. yet because it seemed like she did not know who she was until – um, she you know, she remind her with with history mm-hmm. because she looked the same and she, she didn't change her look from the moment she appeared on the bridge. She was Cersei and Wonder Woman just didn't know. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. It sounded like you were hesitant on uh, saying what you felt. No, no, it was um, I like the story. I like the interactions in this story. I like Superman's heroics in this story because he's unwilling to to let go of the bridge. He knows that it, you know, there are people who are relying on him. Um, I, I, I'd be I, kind of annoyed if I was not to interrupt you, but I'd be kind of annoyed if I was Superman. Why don't they leave the bridge? Yeah, what, what, get off already! <laughs> no, I'm, I'm here. I'm holding. I'm taking rocks to the face for you people. Stop watching. There's nothing to see here. <laughs> yeah, no, and I like the the way the relationship between Superman and Wonder Woman's playing out. The the trust angle uh, seems to be more uh, prevalent in the way the story's been told from chapter to chapter. You know, uh, I know we had a problem with it, I think, last month where Wonder Woman uh, just continued on through the fight because she knew Superman was behind her and would clean up or whatever it was that needed to be done. But um, I, I just like the, the, the trust angle that's uh, being shown between the two characters um, and, you know, the, the heroics that Superman is showing in this, that he's unwilling to um, to stand down, that he's taking whatever Magog is throwing at him uh, Cersei's, you know, angle being thrown in just adds another, uh, you know, uh, crinkle to the to the problem. So uh, it's it's playing out nicely. I, I'm enjoying it. It's a, it's a pretty good action romp so far. And the art is really really good. Yeah, it is. The art, really, the art is really well done. So uh, we'll continue to follow Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, with interest as number seventeen lands on our laps uh, late in March. So uh, keep an eye out for that. All right, let's move into Batman Superman number 19. And I really have really been enjoying the, the Superman Joker story. Uh, we know now the identity of this character who has been haunting and hounding uh, both characters, uh, killing uh, people that Superman cares about or that you know, Superman uh, has a, you know, feelings for or an attachment to in some capacity. And uh, the spoiler alert, identity of this mysterious character is none other than the villainous Zadu. Ta-da. Surprise, surprise, the character no one ever thinks about <laughs> is the mystery, is the is the big reveal. Uh, I was disappointed by who it was. What, the Phantom King? Is that what they call yeah, him? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we have um, seen him before come from the Phantom Zone. We know, you know, of his backstory to some degree. Um, I guess it probably wasn't somebody that people were expecting. Although I think I saw a few comments in the Superman homepage uh, comment areas about it being um, Zadu or uh, the Phantom King, as he's also known. 
Um, always, every time I see his name, I think of Xanadu. Yes, well, let's put on some roller skates. <laughs> Rule the Take world. Off those bandages and reveal your 1970s glitter underneath. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you as far as the story being uh, cool. Being, yeah, the, the uh, use of the Kandorians, I think that's really interesting too, the miniature Kandorians and the way they're being developed and Supergirl's involvement and her attachment to her best friend, you know, and all that's that's going on there. I, I think it's uh, an, it, the Kandor elements are a really interesting way to throw open the story into a new angle. And it's strange because it reminds me of one of the uh, one of the quotes that came out of this whole convergence thing, where they said that uh, moving forward, um, story is going to take precedence over continuity. Mm. And and it's almost like, and I've been talking about this for years with Supergirl. It's almost like Supergirl and Superman really know each other, trust each other, and work together in this story. But we've never seen that anywhere else since yeah. the New 52 launch. So I don't know exactly what's going on. If it's just like, well, we want to tell a story where Supergirl's involved. So we're going to pretend like their relationship never changed, even though it did with the advent of the New 52 which is the continuity we're supposed to stay in even after they remove the branding. So we still haven't seen that relationship develop to a point where it seems to be in this story and in, the, I guess, a couple of other stories like uh, the Return to Krypton story where Superboy eventually ended up dying. They seemed like they were partners there too, but then they seemed very estranged and, and very against each other and, and very not close uh, most of the other time. So, especially considering Supergirl's gone off to, well, since we last saw her have any attachment or, or any conversation with Superman, she went off to be part of this um, academy. Uh, what's it called? Um, uh, the uh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> we'll think of it in a second. I'll open up yes. one of the reviews. But, yeah, she hadn't come back from that. Uh, so where had, does this story fit in? Is this now after after she's come back from this adventure that she's had in space as part of uh, that academy? Or is it something that she's, um, you know, does it, where does it fit? I know I totally understand where you're coming from. It seems very bizarre that they are just working together and that, uh, they seem to, you know, be uh, fine there together. And, I mean, it just doesn't – I don't know where it fits in. Uh, I hadn't really thought about it um, until you kind of mentioned it there. But um, I'm glad to see that they're together. Just it would be nice if someone told us why or how. Yeah, and, and the fact that, you know, in one book she's trying to punch him every time he says hi to her, and then the next minute <laughs> – they're working together as if there's no issue. That's that's the biggest issue I have. I mean, I realize they want to tell stories with all kinds of characters together, uh, and they they want to make sure that if if they want to use somebody, that they're not bogged down by continuity. That was the whole point of launching the new Fifty Two to begin yeah. with. But now they bog themselves down in their own continuity that she kind of hates everybody, including <laughs> Superman. Doesn't want to deal with him, work with him, talk to him, or anything. Doesn't trust him. Doesn't like him. And then here they are here where it seems like they have a normal, you know, kind of relationship where there's no issues. So yeah, I, uh, I think there was a particular issue where they – she doesn't necessarily hate him anymore or, the, or doesn't trust him. I think uh, they, there was an issue there before she went off to – and I know the name is called The Crucible. Um, yes. She uh, said to him, look, yeah, look, I understand everything. I just need time. I need to find my own identity. I need to – and kind of so they went off 
with a mutual understanding that she needed to find herself uh, to something. Which is weird because Clark had the beard there. He went to see her. She was yeah. working as a waitress or something. In her book, I believe, because right. it was the same book that we found out that uh, Khan was still alive. Yes. And uh, he had a beard, which I just got done saying, how come he doesn't have the beard anywhere else? And they gave him the beard here. So maybe that's an indicator of, of where the story is because you were saying where's the you know, story take place or whatever. Uh, apparently he had the beard in no, Supergirl's thing, so maybe she goes first and this comes after because then he doesn't have the beard. Yeah, it would be nice if the editor's boxes or something said this fits in after Superman, Supergirl returns from the Crucible or something. But then that, that may uh, spoil some kind of ending that happens in the Supergirl stories, which... Uh, moving on to Supergirl number 39, continue. Oh, we're on. on beard. We're on beard time now. If he has a beard, <laughs> right. it's this Pre-beard, time. Post, it doesn't post beard. That's right, exactly. Right. Uh, Supergirl 39, part four of The Crucible Story. Um, I haven't got around to reading this one, even though our review is up on the website from James Lance. Uh, I believe this continues on the story Superboy is captured to some degree. Can you talk to us about what you read? Well, he, uh, yeah, he's captured, but for some reason he seems willing to go. Right. Um, I, I guess because he's trying to figure out where he's going to fit in now after everything that happened. Uh, and uh, some some bad people have taken over the crucible. They've oh. uh, they've gotten rid of the uh, the teacher, the the precept or whatever, yep. the person that Supergirl knew and was uh, was uh, not necessarily trusting of, but had kind of taken her word for it. And, uh, and now he's taken over, but it seems like he's got some nefarious ideas of what he's going to do. And, uh, and uh, they've got Supergirl kind of uh, at their whim at the moment um, up there at the Crucible. She, uh, they, they use some sort of a uh, device to dampen her powers, right. which I guess is kind of a MacGuffin. Um, just, well, we have this because, you know, we knew we might have a Kryptonian someday. But uh, he took it out. It was like a cube, I think, of some kind. And mm-hmm. uh, now she, she can't, she, she doesn't have her powers. Uh, she's she's unable to fight back against this guy. So we have a situation where uh, uh, so they're cloning, they're re-cloning uh, the clone, as, as the guy says. Right. And uh, they've got a whole chamber of uh, Superboy clones being cloned from Khan. Well, there you go. So that's Supergirl number 39, I guess. Uh, really interesting to see where Supergirl f- number 40 goes with Supergirl powerless, uh, Con captured and supposedly being uh, uh, tried to be cloned. So uh, sounds like they're at a bit of a, an impasse there in the Supergirl story. So let's move on to Justice League number 39. And in this story, we have the continuation of the Amazo virus, um, Superman, Wonder Woman and Lex Luthor find themselves up against the rest of the Justice League who have been infected by the virus and their powers are uh, starting to re-emerge although the virus, the bodily form of this virus, the Amazo I guess if you want to call it that, uh, is using them and using everybody else. It's pretty much like a puppeteer uh, using them all although it doesn't seem to have full control of the powers that the heroes themselves have when they're under their own influence and Superman and Wonder Woman Uh, and Lex uh, trying to figure it out, get the help of Captain Cold, um, and realise that uh, Cold itself is the, um, uh, I guess, a power that Superman was reluctant to use at first because all of his other powers seem to have been mimicked by the virus, so he didn't use his freeze breath, but uh, from the use of Captain Cold's own gun, 
they realise that it slows down and and, uh, and pauses the effect that the virus has on everybody else. So Superman uh, gives him a full breathful. Pretty convenient, I yes. guess. Yes. That Captain Cold happened to be around, and uh, that's what happened to be the uh, the end, uh, the way to end the uh, the rampage of the virus carrying what is it, Patient Zero. Um, I, I like the story. I mean, I, I found it uh, to be to be pretty cool. I love the expressions on Superman and Wonder Woman when they're chatting with Cold. I, I, I like that it's kind of like they have a kinship, even though this guy's a semi-villain. Um, and I, I love the artwork. I think it's some of the some of the uh, I mentioned Batman, Superman, Superman, and Wonder Woman as the two that have the best, but it's actually Superman, Wonder Woman, and Justice League yeah. these days that have the best artwork. Uh, they really look good. They really look dynamic. Wonder Woman looks beautiful. Uh, just in the face. You don't even yeah, need yeah. to see, you know, there's a lot of just the shots of her face uh, are just really, really good. Yeah. You know, Superman looks great. And uh, uh, I like that Lex is such an integral part of this story. Mm -hmm. I like that it's, it's Lex being Lex. Uh, what I didn't like is that he talks about how the president gave him a medal for for uh, solving this crisis and for curing the disease. How about the fact that he caused the crisis yeah. and the fact that he caused the disease and, an and everything that came from it? You know, it's 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 as if he didn't tell him that and nobody did. If I was Superman, I would make sure that the world knew that. Mm. And and he's got every member of the Justice League to back him up. It's not a matter of his word against Lex's. Right. I mean, we know that he caused it and yet he's the one being celebrated for stopping it um which is kind of a staple for lex but usually there's there's a write-off there's some way that he can cover it up or something along those lines but everybody here knows that he created it on purpose because he was trying to find a way to stop superman and it ended up out of control and so Yes, he's a mad. Yes, he's the one who stopped it, but he's also the mad scientist who created it to begin with. Yeah, exactly. And I guess it almost kind of uh, parallels what Lex has always said about Superman: if you weren't here, then all of these things wouldn't happen. Uh, all these villains wouldn't come looking for you to try to test themselves, and Metropolis would be safe. So you're the reason why these things happening, even though you stop them. It's you're you're the one who's you know the the center of attention, the reason that they're starting in the first place. So it's very kind of a, an interesting, an ironic parallel there that Lex is the reason this thing started, even though he's the one that stopped them. Uh, but the difference is there, Superman doesn't intentionally draw these characters towards himself, or these villains who try to uh, attack Metropolis because of him, where Lex intentionally uh, created the virus in the first place. He had nefarious plans mm -hmm. at the onset, you know, exactly. which Superman does not have. No. So, you know, I don't know that he, I don't know that that type of hero would necessarily be celebrated yeah. at the end. It would be more like, well, I'm glad that you stopped it, but uh, now you need to be arrested. Now you need to be arrested for causing it in the yeah, first place. Exactly. So uh, that was uh, Justice League number thirty nine. Uh, the Amazing Story was it was quite interesting and um, it, it kind of played out really well and it was, it was interesting to see the way it came all, all came together. I'm glad Batman wasn't the one to save the day. Uh, he was actually one of the you know the characters that were infected by it, so um, it, it played out well. Yes, absolutely. I wanted to mention something along the lines of Batman uh, that I forgot to mention in Batman Superman number 19. Uh, it's been made mentioned to me that at one point during the story. Uh, Lois Lane wants to come with them 
into the bottle uh, bottle yes. city. At, yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. I wanted to mention this too. He says, um, "Well, normal humans can't come in there." And she, of course, makes the same statement that I would make if I were Lois in that position. Well, Batman's going, and uh, he says, "Well, he's Batman." Um, <laughs> this is a, this is kind of a sticking point, not just for Superman fans, I don't think, but. Um, the idea that he's Batman is the answer to why he can do something that a normal human can't do. I, I do believe they were joking, and I do believe they were using it tongue-in-cheek, uh, because later on they do mention that his suit yeah. has some sort of reinforcement that, that right. makes it uh, so that he can go, although he's not wearing a face mask of any kind. He, his face is open to whatever elements are there. But uh, uh, it was it, it was kind of funny, but also a little bit, hurtful at the same time to read that that dialogue yeah i was like totally taken aback by it i was like pull me out of the story to see that and it yeah but i guess it was kind of explained i did see the humor in it uh, but it was kind of explained with the fact that he has a reinforced costume and what have you and that was why he was able to to go but for superman to be the one to say because he's yeah. batman that irked me yeah, Superman should have said, well, he has this technology in a suit that allows him to go. Yeah, not just... Instead of saying normal human, he probably should have said, well, uh, you know, unless you had a reinforced uniform of some kind or, or we had a special suit for you to wear, it wouldn't be safe for you to be there. Then she could say, well, Batman's going. And then he could say, well, he's got he's all got that, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That no. would have been more... But they were going for humor there, and I guess it was funny. I guess, if you're a Batman fan. Right. <laughs> all right. Let's move away from our comic books. Uh, I did want to talk about uh, New York Toy Fair. It's been a big event that's taken place this past month. We saw a lot of great merchandise, action figures, statues, figurines, toys of all kinds uh, unveiled uh, that will be coming up in the next year. Um, I say the next year because one of the biggest, uh, one of the, the announcements that got the biggest attention was the Super Friends um, action figures that are coming from Gentle Giant that will be released in January next year. They are what are like ten times bigger than the original ones, although they were scanned with a three D printer from the original toys and then uh, printed with a three D printer to create an identical image or replication of the original uh, action figures, just in an enormous size. Awesome! Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> Giant figures for kids, I, I imagine, would be uh, good with these. Or I guess you could set them up on your shelf if you... Uh... Well, I know Michael Bailey's looking to sell a kidney to get one of these. Oh, yeah? Are they going to be that expensive? <laughs> I don't know about that expensive. I'm, I'm exaggerating, obviously. Oh, but it's goodness. like uh, that's how much he wants them. Uh, and, and even some of the other uh, statues and things and action figures. I mean, there seems to be a lot of great stuff coming out in uh, the next uh, year or so. So looking forward to seeing some of these things hit the shelves and uh, being able to purchase them, uh, some the continuation of the Man of Steel statues. The, uh, the um, st statue by Darwin Cook uh, looks awesome, uh, as does the uh, Hully, uh, Cully Hamner one. Uh, I'm not really wrapped on the John Romita Jr. one, but that's obvious. Uh, but other than that, uh, some of these other stuff that's coming out look really cool and uh, really interesting, uh, really looking forward to seeing them. There's a 3D Superman puzzle bus that we put up on the website recently that looks really cool. They'll have the whole line of the Justice League ones, their six-inch bus 
but they're puzzles, 3D puzzles that you put together, and then once they're together, they can sit on your shelf as a as a nice bust. Yes, I have one of Darth Vader, and I like cool. the look of that. That Superman one looks really cool. I'm also looking forward to uh, owning the. Uh, uh, there was a this. I don't think this came out of New York Toy Fair, but uh, there's a Lois Lane statue yes. that's that's kind of a 40s look to yeah, it. Uh, from she's, the uh, DC Bombshell uh, series of poster images that and cover images that came out. Um, yeah, that looks really cool. I really like that. I've already pre-ordered that. And uh, Kara from the animated series yes. uh, has a statue coming out that I'm also going to get a hold of. So those are some things I'm looking forward to. Yeah, looking forward to that. So if you haven't seen uh, all these uh, images, uh, check out the Superman homepage. Go back uh, the last couple of weeks to some of the uh, announcements and unveilings from Toy Fair in New York. Uh, and talking about statues and things, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, which we know uh, as Superman fans, is the place where Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were living when they created uh, Superman together. And Cleveland, the city, is finally making plans to unveil and erect their own Superman statue to commemorate Jerry and Joe's creation. And uh, it has received a bit of criticisms because of the design from uh, the um, sculptor and uh, his, his designs for... The, the Superman statue has received a little bit of criticism. Uh, what did you make of, of the images that were shown? Well, I haven't seen the images. I oh, was okay. going to ask you, what's the, uh, what's the uh, controversy? Well, Cleveland.com, who a uh, well-known website that comment on anything and everything that happens in uh, Cleveland, uh, who and the, the, the uh, guy who was writing the article is a big Superman fan, um, was... Uh, uh, critical of the um, the design of the, the well the creativity of the sculptor himself why he was self-appointed almost to create this statue Superman's uh, pose is not fluid uh, the the facial features of Superman uh, the way he described it is like he's been posing for a photo and holding that smile for an extended period of time it looks fake um, it just the the character elements, the design of the the characters, doesn't look that good. And when I say characters, not just Superman. There's little uh, Superman will be larger than life, but there's supposedly going to be life size images of Jerry, Joe, and Joanne Siegel standing, pointing up at uh, the Superman statue, um, and uh, they're critical of the way they look, um, and just the design of the the post that Superman will be on, and all these kinds of things, just didn't really. Um, get that well received so uh, but it is it is cool that cleveland are fly, finally adding uh something there for superman it'll be near the rock and roll hall of fame and museum uh, as part of the elevated walkway that will connect downtown cleveland to the lakefront which a lot of people are saying is a great area to put it but just the design of the statue has received some criticism <laughs> and and do you feel that it's warranted? Were you looking at it yourself? Yeah, I don't... It doesn't... Uh, if I was going to design a Superman statue that was dedicated as uh, something to commemorate Jerry and Joe's um, creation of the character, then I would be using a Joe... Uh, uh, sorry, a Joe Schuster um, type of Superman uh, to, you know, uh, commemorate this creation. It, the statue looks... Nothing like a Joe Schuster style Superman. It actually doesn't look like any other style Superman. He is almost very thin. Uh, he doesn't. His pose, his flying pose, looks quite awkward. Um, so I can understand the criticism and the face that the the head that sculpt that the 
artist wants to use makes Superman's grin look predatory. So I, mm. I'm, I'm, I can agree with some of the uh, the complaints there. Yeah. And this guy, it's basically because this guy just designed kind of his own look well, for Superman. Yeah, he's been doing it for seven years or so. Uh, this sculptor, uh, David Deming, has been quietly working on this statue, it says, for almost seven years in his Lakewood studio as part of the Superman Monument Committee. Um, so I don't know that the, the Cleveland article says that there was no design uh, submitted. There was no voting for it. There was no, you know, it's just like I'm part of the thing. I'm doing it and this is what I'm doing and this is how it's going to look. Uh, so there was, from what the Cleveland.com article says, no real, um, you know, uh, clear um, design that was submitted to anybody for anybody to vote on or to, to approve. Hmm. Now I'm looking at the images now as you're speaking. Uh, uh, I guess I guess that could be a sticking point if you if you're part of the uh, committee that thinks you should have had the right to vote on it. Uh, he does have a strange strange kind of look on his face mm. <laughs> when when you look at the close up of his face uh, in the flying pose. It, he is wearing the uniform. That uh, that was being worn during those during right. those times, uh, yeah. uh, with this the strange S logo and yeah. the uh, but his face uh, is definitely very strange. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, yeah. So I guess I could. I don't know about I don't know about crazy controversy uh, as far as the three of them. Uh, I don't know that I'm that familiar with exactly what they look like, but uh, I, I thought it was cool that they were included. They're gazing up at him, you know, when 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 we when you first brought it up that uh, they were doing a Cleveland Superman statue. I thought it was kind of interesting yeah, that no, uh, they're doing it. Uh, Jerry and, and, and Joe and Joanne were going to be included in the in the because I said, you know, what makes this different than another Superman statue somewhere else? And mm. that is that those boys grew up there and, and created him there. So they should kind of be included in the statue as well. It's kind of a kind of a neat idea but uh, yeah the face is it almost looks it almost looks hulkish his face right yeah uh, you look close up it looks like a Lou Ferrigno uh yep. kind of hulkish look but uh yeah all right so we'll see we'll see how that uh will keep uh, you posted on any follow-ups if anything happens any changes or anything there uh as that moves forward now before we move into the big question segment of our show uh, the Superman homepage uh, mailing list. So we've mentioned a few times the fact that we have a Superman homepage Big Blue Report newsletter that I uh, write a column for and there's other things that are involved there. It's sent out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th of every month. We did have to change the software that we use to issue that newsletter and uh, we put up a, a news article about resubscribing and sent out emails for people to click the link so they could remain subscribed to the mailing list. A lot of people have done that. Nearly 5,000 people have already subscribed to it. So that is fantastic, but I thought I should make mention of it here. It is a free newsletter. You do get it, you do get it quite, twice a month. Uh, there is some content in there that is not on the Superman homepage website, so it's well worth uh, signing up for, and uh, you can find the subscription um, form on the front page of the, newsletter, of the website on the right-hand side. Just look for the newsletter panels. All right. Let's start with the big question. I guess it's now time for the big question, huh? Last month's big question was, was the rumor about Batman v Superman being split into two movies something you would have liked to have been true? Why or why not? And our first response from Hector is, no, the reason why is because we don't know 
what to expect. If they do this, if the first movie fails, then nobody would want to see the second movie. Usually they wait until the final movie of the series to break it into two. For example, The Hunger Games and Harry Potter, etc. Wait until Batman v Superman to get the fans' reaction, and then decide if splitting a movie into two is a good idea or not. Yeah, well thought out, Hector. Thank you for your opinion on that. Donovan Hunter writes in, uh, Hey, Stephen Scotty, love the show as always. Well, thank you, Donovan. He says, I would would have loved to get a DC film this year, and we all, as we all would. I've been waiting practically my whole life to see Superman and Batman on the big screen together. Another comic book movie this year would be fantastic, The More the Merrier. Now, I would love this film to be three hours long. They film for seven months, it's possible. If Warner Brothers is going to still make us wait, I think a three-hour film would be worth it. What are your thoughts on a possible three-hour film? Uh, I would be sitting through a 24-hour film. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, two two and a half to three hours, uh, maybe a bit long for some other people. I know uh, a lot of the um, the Hobbit films and Lord of the Rings films go for almost that long. And, uh, you know, those the fans for those love them. So uh, then you get extended versions of those released in DVD and Blu-ray format. So uh, it's possible. Uh, I think maybe two and a half hours might be better for just the average moviegoer. To less than two and a half. Generally, they don't even want it two hours. But yeah. some of these epic films, some of these, some of these superhero films are going a little longer than that. I think Man of Steel was over two hours. Mm-hmm. But uh, two and a half hours is, is is a long time for most general moviegoers. Uh, as Steve said, I mean, I would sit for twenty four hours, uh, two weeks straight. I would sit to, to watch a great if it's a great story and it's yeah. got great characters and there's something worth watching. I, I don't want it to end. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a three-hour film will be great. I think that a three... The, the problem, too, with a long film is that they can't get as many showtimes in, and that hurts their bottom line. That mm-hmm. hurts the box office returns mm-hmm. because they can't sell as many tickets because uh, they either need a lot more screens or they just have it in the same amount of screens and it can only play half as many times because mm. uh, it's just, there's just not enough time for it. Yep. John F. wrote, personally, I'm glad Batman v Superman will be one movie. You get the whole story in one movie, plus it's easier than having to remember what happened before in part one or two and so on. Or, for me it is, than if the rest of the movie was split apart, like The Hobbit or Harry Potter. Yeah, thank you, John. Uh, Luke Lazaldi sent in his answer as a recorded audio response. So let's see what Luke had to say about this big question. Hi, my name is Luke, and I'm calling from Los Angeles. I would be okay with the two installments, mainly because they're only six months apart. Not a whole year, six months. And it's two two two-hour movies, so we have four hours of Superman goodness for our eyeballs. I'm all in. Bring it on. Thank you, Luke. Uh, Always great to get an audio response and uh, some uh, good quality audio there, too. So thank you for sending that in. Absolutely. You know, our voices... voices get tired doing this so right. the more the more recorded answers you can send into us the better Argentel wrote hey steven scotty hope you're enjoying the countdown to march 2016 only a little less than 400 days to go all right no doubt we will continue to have rumors right up until opening day of uh batman versus superman dawn of justice truthfully i did not pay much attention to the rumor that the movie would be split into two it would not have bothered me if they did doesn't matter as the rumor was false but having two movies so close to each other would be no problem for me if you're listening dc give us more superman cheers and stay warm well, I'm not having a problem with staying warm. Thank you, Argent L. Still summer here, but um, I'm sure Scotty is thankful for those comments. Yes. Well, you know, if comments 
could actually keep me warm, that would be fantastic because <laughs> we're going into major uh, uh, Arctic freeze again. We've been in an Arctic freeze for a week. It's going to be another week of it from what I'm told. I thought it was going away, but we've got uh, record low temperatures. We've got wind chill warnings. We're going to be in the negatives again overnight. So, uh, yeah, it is cold here. Mm. Not summer. Not summer. Sorry to hear that. I'm sitting here in my shorts and T-shirt. Oh, good for you. <laughs> oh, good for you. <laughs> Guthrie McLean writes in. He says, I'm not sure if two parts would be good or bad. I'd prefer not. But concurrently, it's important to develop these characters as well as Lex Luthor. For me, the friendship of Soups and Bats only got interesting in the Justice League animated series. It evolved. Superman with Lex and Soups in the Justice League animated series. I am, however, concerned about JLA's two parts. There's many films that have yet to do a have they have yet to do yet. I wish they would focus on Superman. My worst fear is that they will rush it and fail. Justice League should be a standalone and not end with a cliffhanger. Hmm. Fair enough. Well, I don't know if it'll end with a cliffhanger. Uh, maybe it may. I, I know that we'll there. Supposed to be two Justice League films, but I don't know if that necessarily means that it's a two-parter with a cliffhanger. Hmm. I mean, we're we're about to get a second Avengers film, so it's they're connected, they're ca- kind of continued, but they're not. It's not like you're hanging on waiting for the next part. No. But I don't know if they're going to do that with hmm. this. Patrick O'Neill wrote, "No, I wish the movie was coming out this year, but I wouldn't want the movie split into two. Okay, so he just wants it early, just not into two films. That's yeah. right. They're very concise, just that's it. He's not got he doesn't have anything else to say, but no one sentence. We don't just one movie, that's it. And I, I you know, I kind of agree. I mean, I would love as many movies as we can get. Uh if it were planned and it was gonna be a two part or something like that. I mean, I thought um when they had two Back to the Future movies released within the same year, you know, I think it was part two and part three. Yeah, it was like May and December or May and November or something like that. That worked out for me and they were to be continued and it was like six months of waiting to find out what was gonna happen next. But there's a big difference between that and Star Wars where you have to wait two years and that mm-hmm. really is a continuation. So I would love it to again to see as many movies as we can. But yep. this movie in particular was not planned that way. So I think it would be better to keep it the way it was planned. Exactly. All right, let's move to our new big question. What is it, Scott? Yes, we have, what do you think of McCad Brooks being cast as Jimmy Olsen for the upcoming Supergirl TV series? Yeah, you've heard Scotty and I give our opinion in this episode. So now it's time to voice your opinion about this big question. What do you think about McCad Brooks being cast as Jimmy Olsen? Get involved with the Big Question segment of our show by using the Big Question feedback form found at the Superman homepage, or you can, as uh, Luke did this episode, send us an audio answer, record your voice, telling us what you think, and send that in to us here at Superman homepage. And we'll play that here in our next podcast. I'm laughing at you, you hear? Laughing! Time for our comedy squetch. (laughs) (laughs) The comedy sketch this month comes from comedian Nick Turner during one of his stand-up routines. Check it out. You guys know Superman? Yeah, a lot of people do. He's very famous. Um, I probably could stop asking. There's this one guy on Superman who's always like, Hey, it's a bird! Oh, no, it's a plane! Oh, no, it's Superman! He gets there eventually. Uh, It takes him forever. But I understand, if a man is flying around the sky, that is crazy awesome news uh and you're gonna want to poke your buddy and be like there are people up there remember who told you 
But at first, he just thought that it was a bird. But who's this going around town yelling every time he sees a bird? He's like, oh my God, it's a bird! What? This is insanity! Everybody get out of here! There's a, yeah, it's definitely a bird! Like, what are you talking about? Shut up. That's a bird. That's a tree. That's a sidewalk. Get on the bus. Stop naming everything. Stop Richard scaring my town. Also, who's getting birds and planes confused? That can't be a problem. I've never witnessed someone on their porch be like, oh my God, it's a plane. It's headed toward the house. Oh, uh, nah, it was a bird. <laughs> Yeah, I really got that one wrong. Um, he's my pet now. We're in love. Uh... Well, there you have it. That was uh, Nick Turner doing a, a routine on the whole uh, look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane thing. So very funny. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency. And that's you. Last month's sound came from Superman, the movie. Let's hear it again. Now, wouldn't that beat all get out? Well, there was the sound, and surprisingly, uh, was it? Uh, I think it was six people. I've written there five. No, it was yeah, it was five people. Uh, I guessed it right. Uh, who were they, Scott? Uh, Fred Walsh, David Huang, Mike Z, Donovan Hunter, and Patrick O'Neill. Yeah, I'm surprised that more people didn't get uh, that. That's uh, uh, very little. It's a very little known movie. Not particularly. Not many popular. people have heard about it. Yeah. No, That's so. Right. Let's see if uh, more people can guess where in the world of Superman this new super secret soundbite comes from. So mind your manners, lads and lasses, or we'll blow your house down. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, then use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage to send your answer in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL and will gain the admiration of Superman fans everywhere. That's right. That's a big thing. Uh, this month's Superman song was a song request we received from Robbie Eleanor, who asked us to play Superman by Stereophonics from their 2005 album Language, Sex, Violence, Other. Yeah. Check out the official Stereophonics website at Stereophonics.com. And here's their song now, Superman by Stereophonics.
Well, that's the song, and that is our show. And uh, once again, we thank our sponsor, Patrick O'Neill, for uh, allowing us to continue on doing this fantastic podcast that uh, we bring to you each month. Thank you, Patrick. Yes, and uh, remember, if there is a suggestion for this show that you would like to pass along, maybe there's a topic you think we've missed on discussing, maybe there is a big question you'd like us to put to the fans, or maybe, as Robbie Eleanor did, you'd like to request a Superman song, uh, you can do all those kinds of things. A comedy sketch you might like to suggest. Anything you'd like to talk to us about this show, we're only too happy to hear from you. You can use the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage to send us those comments, or you can send us an email. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com, or you can contact Scotty at scotty at supermanhomepage.com, and we'll endeavour to use those suggestions in a future show. But for now, that is it for this month. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve, and everyone else. Thanks for listening. And always remember, just because I have a long beard and a trident, I'm a lumberjack, and I'm okay. You've been listening to Radio KL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com.